I, I want to continue uh, on a little uh, a, a series, if you will, is anything too hard for God. I started that last week. And um, I know sometimes when you go through things in life, you think that it's too hard for God. You think that God won't or God can't. Most of us believe that he can. It's just we don't know that he will. And, and it's very difficult sometimes um, to walk through life's jungle, if you will, and, and, and trust God sometimes. You know, you, am I the only one here? I, I'm walking through life, and, it's, and sometimes it's hard to trust. I know I should. It's not an intellectual thing. I know I should. It's just how do I do it sometimes? And, and so we, we get bombarded. And I, I want to, I, I, as I did last week, I want to, you to get ingrained in your spirit that nothing is too hard for God. That's the first thing we got to settle. When I was growing up, I, ne- I didn't think there was anything my father couldn't do. There was nothing my dad couldn't do that I, if I could ask him, he could do it. I mean, that's just, wow. I, I've told the story. I'll tell it again. But I remember one time I, I used to love riding bicycles. Not so much now, you can tell. But I used to love riding bicycles. I mean, I'd wear bicycles out. I mean, Man, don't get me no don't get me no used bicycle because I'm gonna wear it out next week. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need some a new one I wear out in three weeks. I love riding bicycles, and I remember I had a bicycle one time, and 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 I had stripped out the bolt because we'd put several chains on this and sprockets, and 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 I couldn't get the bolt off, and I tried because I had rounded that nut off. And I was frustrated, man. I was when I worked on this bike in like two days, and I went to my father and I said. Daddy, I, I can't get this nut off. It's, I've done rounded it off. And so he comes out and looks at it, and he says, Well, son, you've rounded off the nut. Well, I told you that. I know that. That's why I can't get it off. He said, But let me help you. I can fix this. No problem. My dad goes to his toolbox, grabs a, pie, a, 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 a pair of vice grips, clamps them on there so tight. I couldn't even clamp it on there. It was so t- you know, clamps it on there, takes it right off. What was an impossible? I couldn't do it. But what was impossible for me, for my earthly father, was no problem because he knew what to do. Come on. He wanted me to be happy because he knew I love riding bicycles. How much more does our heavenly father know what you have need of and how much more does he want to give you good gifts and do good things for you? That's the, it's just a little analogy. But God is with you in everything you go through. Even when, it th- even when you think this is an impossibility, God knows and God can. Amen. I got a little video I want to get to you. Uh, are you guys ready for the video, Beth? Uh, I got gals. Uh, I got one guy and gal. So I need to say, are you gals ready? And just... And um, I got this little video that I just want to show you. It's uh, about a minute or so, a little over uh, long, <clears throat> to show you how big God really is. Okay? So go ahead and play that video. NASA has released a striking image captured by the wide-field planetary camera on the Hubble Space Telescope showing a distinctive X-shaped structure developing at the nucleus of the far-off whirlwind galaxy, also known as M51A. 
NASA has explained that this bizarre X-shaped structure has been caused by the mass absorption of dust and marks the exact position of an enormous black hole which is believed to have a mass equivalent to one million stars of similar weight to our Sun. It is believed that the darkest bar of the X's structure is an enormous dust ring which is approximately 100 light-years in diameter. It is thought that the edge on Taurus determines the angle of a jet of high-speed plasma which is directing radiation from the accretion disk of the black hole to two parallel cones of light which ionize gas that passes through their beams. Speculatively, NASA has said that the second bar of the X structure may be a second disk. However, it is also possible that it is a gigantic cloud of gas and dust rotating around the black hole and intersecting with the plasma jets and the ionization cores. The Whirlwind Galaxy is located 30 million light-years from the planet Earth. NASA has divulged that the space that image captures is only 1,100 light-years which is only a fraction of the enormous and dynamic galaxy. The Whirlwind Galaxy was first discovered by pioneer astronomers back in the 18th century and continues to delight amateur sky watchers to this day as it can be seen in the night sky without specialized equipment. The use of technology such as the Hubble Space Telescope has led to further revelations about this fascinating galaxy as certain features, including the remarkable X-light structure are concealed from direct view from Earth owing to their positioning. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible tells us that God created the heavens and the Earth. God is outside of it. Now that to me was amazing and they kept calling it an X. Well, I guess if you turn your head the other way and look at it correctly, it's a cross, but it's not an X. This is, I just, I, I saw that, I was watching some stuff and on, on YouTube and just trying to get my mind right around how big God really is. I mean, if he can do this, and he did according to Genesis chapter 1, if he can do this, is there anything too hard for God? I kind of put my own little spin on this cross and this black hole. Just a thought. I'm not saying this is truth. I'm just saying think about it from this perspective. If there is a black hole, could that black hole actually be the entrance to hell? And could a cross be standing between you and hell this morning? I mean, could God say, I'll give you one more chance. I'm so big that I'm so forgiving that I'm so full of love that I'll stand between you and hell for you to come to know me. Just some thoughts that go through a crazy country boy's mind when you get to looking at all those words I didn't even understand. I just know there's a cross. And if you look toward the cross, there's salvation and there's forgiveness and there's a way in the cross. That's what I do know. I don't know how all this other stuff comes to be, but I know that Jesus put it there. I know through this word, and it is true, that that cross somewhere, some, however how many light million years away, is there. And it didn't go unnoticed, and God put it there. Yeah. That's the God you serve. And I'm telling you, if he put that there, he's more concerned about you than he is some cross out in some galaxy. The Bible says that he's more concerned about you than he is the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And he knows every time one of those falls. And he says, but you're, you're, you're way more important to me than that. So somebody needs to hear this morning that God knows where you are and he sees where you are. He's a way maker. He's got you. And there's nothing too hard for God. So I would title today's message, a, I'd have a subtitle. 
is anything too hard for God, but does a part B in the subtitle, or the subtitle would be, does God hear us when we pray? Does God hear us when we pray? Sometimes you just got to reestablish some things in your heart. You, how many of you, you know some things, but you just, uh, but you got to reestablish it. You got to have a firm foundation to know that God hears you when you pray. So I've got some Bible verses. Imagine that. That's going to help you today. In Jeremiah 32, 17, I got two quick review verses from last week. It says this, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth. Uh-oh. We just saw that, didn't we? By your great power and outstretched arm, there is nothing too hard for you. There is no Big Bang Theory other than God said it, bang, it happened. That, that's it. That, that's the way that it happened, okay? If you believe in the Big Bang Theory, well, we need to talk. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Who's the, who is the God of? All flesh. Are you in the flesh today? Well, if you're here, you are. He's the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? That's what his word says. Is there anything too hard for me? Much like I was telling you earlier, I didn't think anything was too hard for my dad. Nothing was too hard for my dad. But unlike my earthly father, as he is getting up in some age now, some 77, be 78 in April, he still amazes me what he can do. But I've seen some things that he used to do that he can't quite do now. I see the age, the flesh, start to deteriorate in some areas of his life. I see some, maybe some things that I used to think he'll always be this way. and He's not always going to be the way I remembered him when he was 35, 40. But the God you serve never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he can do back then, he'll do today, and he can do tomorrow. So don't, don't compare God to flesh. Don't compare God to what you think is going to happen. God is God and is all God all by himself. And nothing is too hard for God. Amen? So does God hear us when we pray? In Isaiah 65, verse 24, it says this, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. Now, if you're wondering if God hears you, he's hearing you while you're talking. He says, while they're talking, I'll hear them. I mean, before you can ever get out what you want to tell God, he already heard it. You know, God can read your mind. Amen. God knows everything. You're not keeping a secret from him. That's amazing to me. I can start praying. God says, keep talking, keep talking. Yeah, yeah, keep on. I hear you. I know what you're going to say next. My wife is excellent at knowing what I'm going to say next. Y'all think I'm kidding. No, I'm serious. I know what you're going to say. Usually that phrase comes out when we're having an adult conversation. Oh, I know what you're fixing to say. Well, how do you know that? Because you're not God. That's what I tell her. She said, well, I might be today. A lot of times she's right, but I would never admit that. And if you walk back to the nurse and tell her that, I'll deny it, okay? Amen? Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 says this, For your father knows the things that you have need of 
In a few days after you ask him, he'll get around to reading the report that Gabriel and Michael send to him on Monday mornings in the throne room uh, review for the week. It's not what it says. He says that he has, he knows what you have need of before you even ask it. And somehow we think God's abandoned us. I've thought that before, but God, where are you at? What, what happened here, Lord? I mean, I'm doing my best. I'm serving you. Lord, have you left me? See, God knew I was going to say that before I ever said it. He knows what you have need of before you ask. That's the word of God. We've got to establish that there's nothing too hard for God and that when you pray, he hears you. I think a lot of times we think God doesn't hear our prayers because it might be too big for him. Uh, you know, he probably didn't hear that. That's just a big request, Fonda. I mean, that's a big thing. I mean, you know, I've never seen that happen before, so I bet God can't do that. Wrong. God can because there's nothing too hard for God. In Psalms 34, 17, now here's some key, key things you need to get a hold of, and I'm going to kind of teach you like I do on Wednesday nights if you come on Wednesdays. I'm going to teach you a few things this morning too. In Psalms 34, 17, says the righteous cry out. That is key. The righteous cry out. Those that follow, serve, and love Christ, that seek after the Lord. That's who he calls righteous. The righteous cry out, and what does it say? And the Lord hears. It's key. You need to be doing your part. You need to be serving the Lord with your whole heart. You need to be seeking him. It says in the righteous that he hears, <clears throat> he hears their cry, and he, and he delivers them out of their troubles. Well, that just tickles me because I've been in a lot of trouble a lot of times because of crazy decisions. I think it was, Jason, you, you shared the, the, um, on Facebook. Facebook can be funny. And there was this, uh, maybe a monkey or something that had a big stick. Some of you saw it and was going to hit a lion on the back. And it talked about decisions and things we do. And, and some things just happen, but some things just because you're stupid. <laughs> some things because you just make dumb decisions. I mean, you don't hit a lion with a club. I don't care who you are, amen? And, and so sometimes we get ourselves in a pickle, but God still hears God still says, well, that was just dumb on your part. Y'all don't, don't have a relationship like I got with God. Because, see, God talks to me like, that's just dumb on your part, son. I mean, that was just, man. You, yeah. Yes, Lord, I know. He said, but he delivers you out of troubles. Proverbs 15, 29 says this, and the Lord is far from the wicked. So the opposite of the verse I just read in Psalms 34, if you act like a heathen, the Lord's far from you. Don't think he'll hear you. He only hears you when you cry out for repentance. That's what the Bible says. That's not very popular. Because I have a lot of people that live like the devil. And say, the Lord spoke to me. It's not what, that's contrary to what scripture teaches us. That hit a nerve. I could feel the Holy Ghost just move in the house and quieten your spirit right down. Proverbs 15, 20, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of uh, righteous. There's, there's some key things going on here. Live for God. Serve God. The Bible says that those who seek him shall find him. 
I like that. You know, my image of, of, of that is I'm looking for God. I'm running after God. And all of a sudden I see him and he's like, he's going the opposite direction. And I'm running after him and he stops and I run right into him. Thank God. You ever done that? Man, that's so awesome. I do it with my grandkids. I, like I'm running away from them and I turn around because at that moment they got their arms stretched out. And she usually says, Papa, don't run so fast. It's not how far, because it's not very far. <laughs> she, hadn't, she hadn't figured that out yet. <laughs> she still thinks I can do anything. <laughs> Here's another. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says this. If my people, who? If, if you're God's people, you've got to be righteous people. If you're God's people, you've got to be chasing after God. You've got to be following God. If my people, there is, there is some verbiage here that says, look, I'm going to listen to my people, those that call me their own. In other words, if you call me master, you're my people. If you serve me, you're my people. And this is critical. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? Pray. If he's not going to listen to our prayers, why would he say, if, tell us if my people will humble themselves and pray? If he's not going to hear your prayer, why would he ask you to pray? He wouldn't. He's saying if my people who are called by myself will humble themselves and pray, there's some key things here. The church needs to become humble again. The church people think we're above other people. We think that somehow that we've been coming a long time and we've got the upper hand on those who've just been coming for a few weeks or those who've just gotten saved. My friend, the Bible speaks very explicit about that, that if you have the rich man or the proud man or the one that has prompt and circumstance, if you will, in, in the church to set up here and you take the poor man or the one that's just been there for a little bit or the uneducated or the not so wealthy and put them in the back. God says, i got a problem with that. I have a huge problem. Thank God we don't have that at this church. My wife and I were just talking about this the other day. It doesn't matter where you come from, how long you've been there, how much money you do or do not have in the bank or what you drive. This church loves people right where they are. And I thank you for that because that is, that is a, an attribute of saying God's here. Amen? That's something that's worth, worth uh, enjoying. Amen? He says, but if you'll pray and seek my face, there's another term, seek, means to go after, to run after. When we leave the church, are we running after God? When we leave the church, or is church just something that we do so that we say, well, my conscience has been eased on Sunday morning or Wednesday. Is church something you do? Are we really seeking God? Are we seeking his face? See, these are key. If my people will humble themselves, he's telling you what you got to do to get, get the prayers answered. Humble yourself and seek him, not just because you're wanting him to do something. Not because you ask him to do something and, and, and you, he's on the job for you. A lot of times that's the way we view prayer with God. Well, you know, you, you, God, I love you and I sa I'm saved. You saved me and, and so I got this problem. I'm going to need you to fix it. I need you to answer my prayer. And we doesn't, all of a sudden, we go around saying, well, 
God, he really ain't going to do that. That's fun. You know, and we come up with all of these regulations and rules and theological discourses on why he don't do what he used to do. Well, he don't, he don't heal because, you know, that was back then. Well, somebody's lying. Either the Bible is lying or people are lying. Because the Bible said he's the same yesterday and today and forever. If he did it then, he can do it now. But the problem is man does not want to seek God's face. We don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to get right with God other than on Sunday mornings in order for God to do great things in our life. And then we're mad at God. Well, he didn't do this. He didn't do this. And he didn't do this. I don't know if God can. God doesn't hear me when I pray. I prayed and he didn't, he didn't do anything. Okay. What's your point? My point is this. Were you seeking him? Can he even call you his own? Are you humble? Because he hears. He hears you when you pray. He says, if you do that, you turn. Here's another. You turn from your wicked ways. We want to live holy and we want to live righteous when we need God to perform a miracle or do something in our lives to answer a prayer. And then we want to live like the devil the rest of the week. We want to backbite, be divisive, be, have dissension in the church. We want to talk to our spouses like they're, they're, like they're some foreigner. And then we want God to answer our prayers. There's something about 2 Chronicles 7.14 that has a demand upon the people to live correctly, to seek God, to humble yourselves, and then it's when God moves. But the first part, see, is so dependent upon us. Do you understand this this passage of Scripture? That, That if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves... And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. What happens? Then it says this. Then. Then. Not before then. But then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land. There's so much of the prayers that are dependent upon what you do or don't do. We don't like that because God's this big God that created this heavens. We just showed you on this video. Why can't he just do it? Well, he can. But he wants you to be part of the plan. Because if he does it that way for you now, you're going to live like the devil and shack up with the devil and live with the devil and drink with the devil and whore around with the devil and all those other things you're going to be doing and talk about people and do all that stuff. And you're going to say, God, I'm in a mix here. You need to help me. That's not a very good representation of Christ. He says, I won't be associated with it, by the way. If my people, the ones who call themselves Christians, will humble themselves and pray and turn. Turn. That means you have to do something. Isn't this crazy that my prayers can so many times be dependent on how I react to God? It's not that you have to do certain things to get God to perform. He says, this is what I want you to be like so you can be my people so that when you do call on me, I'll answer but we don't want to put in the effort. That'd be like me saying, I want to have big muscles. It's only a thought that was a long time ago, by the way. I want to be a bodybuilder. I want to have zero body fat. 
I want to be on the front of those magazines, you know, building your muscles. <laughs> but never go to the gym. And then say, God, why won't you make me this way? You don't even own a gym membership. You'll have no weights at the house. How's this going to happen? You're not even eating right. Twinkies ain't going to get you there. You got to get rid of the little Debbies. I'm not ready to turn from them. Amen? I love them. They're part of my diet. Amen? But that's the way we view God. We want to keep doing what we want to do, but we want these results when we want them. And God, if you can, you don't hear us when we pray. And I'll tell everybody that I come in contact with that you don't hear us when you pray. And it's only if you decide to, because you're up there picking who you want to bless and who you don't want to bless. That's not the way God works. God requires something of us. By the way, there's nothing too hard for God. Most of the problem, it's too hard for us. I just want to be able to, I wish I could just nail down 2 Chronicles 7, 14 and live by that. If I could get that, man, that, that's the only, not all this other stuff. I just want this one. It says, <clears throat> In verse 15, now my eyes will be open, and watch this. Does he hear you? Read it. And my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. If we do these things, he says, I'll hear you. I'll hear you listen. But And this is how it's going to work, that my ears will be attentive to the prayers made in this place. Prayer is your communication with God. We think communicating with God is when we ask God to do something for us and that's it. We never talk to him any other way, any other time. Most of the time, any of, you, any of us call on God, it's when something bad happens. God! Come on. God help me. I got this crazy view. God said, who was that? I heard somebody holler. I don't know who it was. Don't know him. God helped me out of an almost accident, almost took my life. And boy, for three days, we'll tell everybody how good God is. Intermingling with a bunch of cuss words. Y'all know those people, don't you? Second Kings, uh, Second Kings chapter 20, verse 5 says this. This was when Hezekiah was, uh, had been given a death sentence. And we pick up there uh, in verse 5. It says, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. That means he was on the right track with God. He was leading God's people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. And I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. God hears you. God sees you when you cry. When you're, when you're lamenting over a situation in your life. You know as a blood-bought, born-again child of God, He sees you. He sees that going on in your life. He knows when you're suffering, when you're going through things. He knows that. He hears us when we pray. Last 
passage of Scripture, James chapter 5, starting at verse 13. If God doesn't hear us when we pray, why needs he to command us to do so? James chapter 5, verse 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? In other words, that word suffering uh, means going through a trial or tribulation, going through a hardship. So you could just say, is anyone of you having a hardship? And you fill in the blank, whatever your hardship is. Is anyone of you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Verse 14 says, is anyone among you sick? Sick. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them converse over it, have a committee meeting and see if you're worthy to be prayed for. It's not what it says. It says, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. This, these, two, these three verses talks about prayer and you praying, having someone pray for you. And when you pray, he wouldn't have you pray if he's not going to hear. He's not going to listen. He says, and that prayer, as we just read, will save the sick. Notice it, heal the sick. Verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. God help us on the first part. I just wonder if we were to actually confess and just really get it out there. Don't start today, right at the moment. I, if we were to come clean with all that stuff we think that nobody knows. Confess your trespasses. Would that make a difference? Well, I'm here to suggest to you that it would, that it does, and that it will. Now, look, you don't have to email me and say, could you please put my stuff up on the screen Sunday because I got a prayer request from the Lord I need answered. Now, I'm it's not what I'm talking about. I ain't putting my stuff up there. I am going to go to the Lord, though, just like we do when we get ready to worship and say, Lord, if there's anything here, if there's anything here that I've trespassed against you or someone else, Lord, reveal that. Let me get that right. I wonder if we got rid of the hatred in our heart and the envy and jealous towards someone. I wonder if we, I wonder if we got that right. Would our prayers be answered more readily? I just believe so. Because he says in his word, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another. Why would we do that? It's there on the screen. That you may be healed. Some of you need to be healed this morning, not necessarily physically, but maybe of some, some stronghold, some some addiction in your life of, that has nothing to do with the drugs or alcohol, some, some addiction to other things. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's anger. You, you, maybe you've got a stronghold of anger. Maybe you've got, you got a nasty mouth. 
You can't get rid of it. Maybe you just can't, you just can't stand it when you get around men or, or someone. You've got you to crack a nasty joke. You've got to tell something dirty. Well, Pastor, you're getting, you, you're getting off in my business. That's my job. While I'm right here, that's my job. I want to bring things to your light because, see, what happens so many times, we allow those things to be strongholds, but we don't think they're strongholds. We think we can stop any time we want to. Well, if you're a cusser, <laughs> you'll cusser. If you're a cusser, stop cussing. Just stop. See how that works out for you. That's hard. When I was young, when I was a young kid, I thought that was going to be my, that was going to be my thing. I was going to be a cusser. I thought that was cool. That was cool. I mean, cussing. I want to tell you the house I grew up in, I've never heard my dad say a cuss word nor my mother in my entire life and somewhere in this crazy thought I thought cussing's going to be the ticket oh it was ticket right. <laughs> you get rolled up in a heap over in the corner and a few minutes after you wake up you realize cussing really ain't going to be my thing here <laughs> not at this house I can't even say, my mama wouldn't even let us say B-U-T-T. She'd get you down and put soap in your mouth for that word. She said, you say handy, hand in, booty, but you don't say that word. It's the same thing. It might be the same thing, but you ain't saying it here. Just type you a cusser. Now, preacher, you're talking to the church folk. If you're a cusser, just stop. See how hard it is. It'd be a strong, I'm telling you, it's a stronghold. Cussing's a stronghold. And just, just so you're wondering, it doesn't make your speech or your stories better as we may. We used to say, well, if I can just throw this word in, that it's going to make it so funny. No, they really don't. It's just as funny without that. Y'all didn't even know. I didn't even know I was going to go on that road today. That's free. <laughs> Verse 16, the latter part says this. Lee, will you come to the piano? Confess your trespasses one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The latter part says this. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man. What kind of man? righteous man it avails much that means it has much weight it carries weight that's what it means it's weighty that 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 prayer of the righteous man that effective prayer that one when you're sincere you've been doing your part come on that effective prayer lord i've been doing everything i know to do i've been doing the best i can do for you i'm living right i'm trying to live right yeah i got mistakes but lord i'm living for you and i'm seeking your face that effective prayer of the righteous man says that carries weight with me maybe it's where we are rather than what God can do that hinders prayers from being answered just a thought God can do anything nothing is too hard for God I'm just saying maybe we ought to try a different approach if you don't like the answers you've been getting or the Lack of answers. Maybe try a different approach. What do you have to lose? Nothing. 
This is what I love about most of the time we, we miss this part when we get into James. We, we, we miss these last couple of verses, and, and, and we, don't even, we, we don't even really know they're there. Because when he tells us all these things to do about the righteous man, our prayers are effective. And, and he says, but I want you to understand, I know you're human and the guy that I'm fixing to introduce to you was human too. And he done great miracles and great things. He prayed and things happened. He was a man just like you. He was a, a, just like us as in humanity. He lived and walked. This is not difficult. It's not, well, that was in the Bible. That's what we want. That was in the Bible. Yeah. The Bible is relevant for today. Watch this. Verse 17. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What does that mean? He's just like you and he's just like me. He was faced with the same things as we are. Come on. He was was faced with temptations in Jerusalem or wherever he might have been, all around. He was was faced with those same temptations. As a man, he was probably faced with lust. As a man, he was probably faced with telling dirty jokes. They had cuss words back then, by the way. It's not a new thing. He, He was faced with strongholds back then. He was faced with the very things, the temptations of God. Are you there? Are you really up there somewhere? I've never seen you. Those same things. He's just like me and you. Wondering, God, where are you? Can you, God, do this big thing in my life? I've never heard of this thing being reversed, Lord. I've never heard of having a sickness like this before and getting this far along and you healing somebody. I've never seen this in a marriage or relationship go this far and it be restored. I've never seen it. God, are you really there? Elijah said, God, I'm your man. I've given up everything to follow you. God says, Elijah is just like me and you. And then this is what it says. He was a man with a nature like ours. Watch this. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And heaven And the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. You know, we're so far gone now that I I am a farmer. I've made this statement this year. I've made this statement the last two or three weeks, probably in the last two or three days, concerning rain. When it rains too much, well, ain't nothing you can do about that. When it don't rain enough, ain't nothing you can do about that. But do you know that's contrary to what that word just said? He was a man just like me and you. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain. And it didn't rain. And then he prayed again and it did rain. Well, preacher, I have never seen it. Okay. Just because you hadn't seen it don't mean that it doesn't exist. 
Come on. Maybe if we took a little different approach. When we need a little rain, pray for rain. When we need it to quit raining, pray, Lord, I don't need any rain. You think, preacher, well, you're out there. Well, let me be out there then. My mama told me a story in 1973. They were farmers. It's a true story. 1973. That it was a dry year where they were farming and <laughs> she said we're going to lose everything we got we don't get some rain now back up 45 years ago we don't have all the irrigation stuff we have now so much people depended upon rain there was no landform land like we have today as you know you had some kind of little irrigation something stuck in a ditch somewhere it wasn't like it is today so get your mind back then she said, we're going to lose everything we got. My mother said she began to pray. They had 640 acres. I think I shared this story with you recently. Or you. Had 640 acres of one section. They called that a section of land. And said, I began to pray, Lord, we're going to lose everything we got. If you don't send us some rain. No rain anywhere. You know, you got your forecast on the news at night. Wasn't on your phone. She said, I began to pray. And she said, it rained on every inch of the perimeter of our farm, from ditch to ditch, north to south. It rained. She said, we had the best crop we ever had in our lives. I've seen my mother pray over the impossible. I've seen my mama pray things that seem to be impossible, Matthew, and they come to pass. I've seen my mother pray for kids to come back home and serve the Lord. She'll tell you today, I love that all of my kids are in church. She said, but the problem is they're all in church. And they never get to come be with me on special days, <laughs> like Mother's Day. And so, she said, but I love that they're in church. So we remind her every way, well, you prayed for it. When she calls us and she says, I sure wish y'all could have been here on such and such day. Well, Mom, you know, I know you're busy at church. I said, well, you prayed for it. You don't say that a whole lot to my mother, by the way. My point is this. God hears you when you pray. God hears you when you pray. When I was 13 years old, and I'll close with this little story. When I was 13 years old, my father was buried alive for about 40 minutes, seven or eight feet down in a ditch. Ditch caved in on him. The doctor told us he'll, he's going to die. He was a family doctor back then. You know, you had, uh, I, I do remember when our, our doctor, he would come by the house, believe it or not. His name was Dr. Webb. 
She said, Brenda, because personal friend, Brenda, he's not going to make it. He's going to die. He knew we were Christians. He was a Christian. My mother said, he's going to live. He's not going to live. He's going to die. Nope, he's going to live. He's going to live. Okay, okay, Brenda, you, he's going to die. He's going to live. I walked in a hallway of a hospital with hundreds, literally hundreds of people in the hallway of a hospital into a room where my grandfather said, go in and see him. Because it will be the last time you see him when he's alive. My mother said, he'll live. He's going to live. She was praying, woman. That night, he made it through the night, and Dr. Webb, bless his heart, said, well, if he makes it, he'll be a vegetable. My mama said, he's going to live, and he's going to live, and he's going to live. She was saying, he's going to live and be productive. So that happened the next day. He's better, but he's probably still going to be a vegetable. Get ready for it. My mom said he's going to live. That was in uh, May of 1983. The following summer, we had a church softball league at our church, a team. My dad was the pitcher on the softball team. My dad never missed a lick. You can't even tell other than a few scars where they had tubes running here and running here and everywhere else. To keep him alive, you could never tell that he ever had an accident. I've never heard him say one word about it. But I've heard my mama testify and praise the Lord that God hears us when we pray. God hears you when you cry out to him. But this is what I do know, that my mother is a God-fearing woman. And what this word says to practice, that she seeks the Lord, she loves the Lord, she humbles herself before him, and she prays and seeks God. Just maybe, if we followed what this word says, we might change our attitude on does God hear and answer prayers. I believe he would. I want to challenge you this morning. I spoke this message to you to say this. There's nothing too hard for God. God does hear you when you pray. Why don't we start doing our part? And what we're fixing to do is totally different. The Holy Spirit's just giving me this right now. I want us to believe together. We've got some sick people in, in this room, but today's totally different. You can be healed physically right here. You can. Just by sitting here. Nobody has to lay hands on you, by the way. You can, you can lay hands on your own self. I've done this many times. Pray for my own self. But Wade Morphis is down at the rehab. To the, went in yesterday. 
I just got to believe. I told him yesterday, as those big old tears come down his face, I said, wait, I believe God's going to heal you. And I'm stepping out. I believe God's going to heal you. I believe you're going to walk out of here. I believe that. So we'll have prayer for you tomorrow. A lot of unknowns. But I know the one who has never been faced with an unknown. I serve a God that doesn't even comprehend what that means, Fonda. I serve a God that has never spoke the words. I don't know. Think about that. That's the God I serve. So I want us to collectively this morning, I want us to pray for Wade. And if you're sick in this house, if you're unsaved in this house, if you don't know Jesus in this house, you can know him today. It's as simple as saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. Wash me clean. It's that simple. You can do that right here and be just as saved as someone who, who came down to the altar. You can be just as saved. And if you don't know him, I want you to know him today. But our focus today, collectively, is I want to call on the Lord specifically for Wade. I know others are sick in here. When you pray, you begin to pray for somebody else, you'll get healed. It happens that way all the time. You can pray for somebody and it'll happen to you. So will you stand with me all across? No, 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 let's don't do that. Let's, don't, let's, don't, let's sit back down. Let's just bow our heads where we are. Begin to pray for Wade, for healing in his body. Let's don't get our roles mixed up. Our job is to pray according to Mark eleven twenty four. When you pray, believe. Not when we see. Not when we get a result. Father, we call on you today. You are a God that hears according to your word. Number one, there's nothing too hard for you. Number two that you hear us when we pray. And your word says in James that the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. It carries weight. So, Lord, as your people today in this room who are called by your name, we humble ourselves in a position of prayer and asking you, God, to do a miraculous thing. We are beyond what doctors have said is medically impossible. But I know you, God. 
Your word says you're a healer. I'm just asking you to heal. Not asking you to do anything that is not in your word. I'm not asking for a pie in the sky kind of thing, God. I'm asking you to do what your word says that you're able to do. That's to heal. If you're able to save, you're able to heal. So Lord, as we, so to speak, stand in the gap for Wade this morning. We ask you to heal him, Lord. Raise him up. Bring strength back to his legs, to his arms, to his muscles. Drive that fear far from him, Lord, of the unknown. Lord, I speak peace into his spirit. Peace would rest. on the rooftops of that building and it would blanket him Lord as a sheet or a blanket would lay upon him Lord it would be peace to know that you are God and nothing is too hard for you and then when he cries out to you You hear him. If you're in this room as well and you're battling with some, just, I don't want you up. I don't want you just to stay seated. I just believe the Holy Spirit's doing something different. And you're in this room and you're battling with something in your life. Maybe it's a stronghold. Maybe it's not a physical healing. But I, I believe I believe when we get in these moments where God is moving, God heals a lot of things a lot of times and it's never mentioned. But maybe you're dealing with something in your life. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's pride. I'll help you define pride. If you said in your mind or in your heart while you're sitting in this service today or anytime, but specifically in this service, well, I don't have a problem. You have a pride problem. And just so you're wondering, what's the big deal with pride? Pride is such a great sin. It's what got Satan kicked out of heaven. So if you think your pride is not a big deal, it's the very thing, the very first thing that we see recognized that separated a creation from the creator. So it is a big thing. God help us. And if you don't know him as your savior... Ask him into your heart right now. Simply say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you. I want you to be my Savior. I want to serve you. 
I want to seek your face. I want to run after you, Lord. And I don't even know how, but Lord, if you'll help me, I'll do my best. I want you to wash me clean. You said that prayer. It's that simple. Now the work begins. Father, we love you and we thank you. Lord, as we leave this place today, I pray, Father, that you would let your face shine upon us. That we would find favor with you. That you would open doors that we thought could never be opened. Lord, that increase in these difficult financial times, that increase, promotions, raises would come to your people. That, Lord, they, they may not even experience this financial crisis. Lord, and I pray for peace in these troubled times to rest upon every rooftop and upon every heart. And when we lay down today or tonight, that sweet, sweet sleep would come to us and our bodies would physically rest. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone in the church says, Amen and amen.